Hi, everybody. Welcome to Circling the Bases. My name is Chris Crawford. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, whether you're listening to this as a download or if you're joining us live. And a reminder that at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, to please check out our live shows. And if you want to watch a replay of it, that's okay, too. You can search on YouTube or Twitch, NBC Sports Edge, and you can find those shows. Bring in my guest, because uh, we don't we don't have any time to dilly-dally today. He's a fantasy analyst who covers both baseball and football for CBS Sports, contributes to a variety of podcasts for those fine folks, and helps pen the Fantasy Football Today newsletter. Please welcome Chris Towers to the show. Chris, how is everything going? Oh, I think you're muted, This is buddy. a classic, classic Chris Towers yeah, that, move, not muting myself okay, before buddy. talking. That's, that's that okay, is, uh, which, we got it out of the way. We got it out yeah, of the way. That's great. Getting a taste of the the fun <laughs> programming that I offer uh, on yeah. fantasy baseball today, where I do that probably twice an episode. So there you go. No, I'm good. Just uh, good. just finished up dinner. Now I'm ready to talk some baseball. Getting ah. already getting reactionary, panicky tweets about performances from tonight. So maybe, yes. maybe we'll get to some of those players in the uh, in the panic That's... discussion. That is what going to be the subject of our show is whether whether or not we should be panicking or panic not panicking. Um, but Chris, I'm getting really excited for the NFL draft. It's NFL draft week, and we have you covered Thursday night after round one. We will be live on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel, following the first 32 picks in Las Vegas. Matt Straub, Warren Sharp, and Pat Doherty. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry about Pat Doherty. He has to be included, too. We'll be joining rotating analysts from my Edge team to break down all the big storylines from fantasy and betting perspectives. The show will also be available in the, Pet the Bet the Edge and a good football show podcast feed on Friday morning. And don't miss a single pick during the draft. Download the NBC Sports Edge app for our signature player blurbs on every single player as they're drafted. Plus, receive alerts on your favorite players teams and much more. Chris, I know you're a big fantasy football guy. Is there any matchup that you would like to see between player and team after Thursday? Is there like one player that you're really hoping lands in a certain spot? I've fallen in love with Traylon Burks. I'm, I'm a big nice. fan of his. He, he reminds me of AJ Brown coming out. I just, I love the big, fast physical receiver. I know his 40 time was a little disappointing, but like yeah. Four five five is still pretty fast when you're that as big <laughs> as that dude is. So yeah. I'm not too worried about that. And yeah, I've got uh, you know the Packers, the the Chiefs. I think those are the two with any 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 wide receiver sure. where you'd like to see them go. The the one where I'm kind of out on a limb, I feel a little bit is like every running back. Everyone seems to want them to go to the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, and I. This is a thing that has happened over the last three, two draft seasons, really, is I don't think people realize how bad of an offense Buffalo is for running backs. It's a really, yes. really good offense. And, and sure. that's the kind of thing where it, it seems like it should be a great situation for a running back. But outside of the last seven games of last season, when Devin Singletary was playing like 70 to 80% of the snaps or more every single week, there really hasn't been a stretch where any running back has been a must start guy for Buffalo outside of maybe, you know, Zach Moss has had a few high touchdown stretches, but other than that, uh, not really. So I, I don't think it's as good of a situation as everybody else thinks it is. And I would be disappointed if Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker ended up there. 
Yeah, I think that, you know, I was talking to Colin about how much I was intrigued by Brees Hall or Kenneth Walker to the Bills, but I actually have the same player and the same team you're talking about. I'd love to see Traylon Burks go to the Bills. I think that would be a really interesting situation there where, you know, Stefan Diggs is going to be the guy that has to create attention. Having that big, Josh Allen's going to be a pretty good fantasy player anyways, but man, I think Traylon Burks could put up big numbers uh, long-term, and I think he could be relevant as soon as this season. But I'd love to see another wide receiver in Buffalo. I, I may be alone on that, but uh, I am okay taking that limb. So we talked enough about football. and The Gabe Davis truthers won't be happy. The Gabe Davis truthers won't be happy. I need to see a little. I'm not a big fan of small sample sizes, which is why this is such a perfect time to be talking to you about this. So a lot of good players are off to very poor starts. I think everybody's probably read some stuff in The Athletic about why some of that stuff might be going on. But it doesn't change the fact that some players that you probably drafted fairly high are not helping your fantasy team. So we're going to look at three hitters and three pitchers um, who have gotten off to big starts. And I'm going to ask Chris what his level of concern is. Obviously, we're, the, the caveat is going to be that the sample size for everyone here is incredibly small. We have around 90% of the season. So we'll just get that part out of the way. But let's start with Marcus Simeon, who a guy who signed a $175 million contract for seven years with the Rangers as of now, is hitting one point above that $175 million contract, 176. He has not homered. He's 482 OPS. He does have a couple of steals. Chris, what is your level of concern with Marcus Simeon right now? I can't say I'm not concerned at all. I, I would say, you know, you told me concern, moderately concerned, not even kind of concerned. Those are my, my parameters yes. here. And Those are your three I choices. Go- yes, sir. I would say moderately concerned and look all, all discussions at this point in the fantasy baseball season are like exercises in trying not to fall for confirmation bias because yes, like I was skeptical of Marcus Simeon coming off last season and and with the park and lineup change and all that. So Mm -hmm. seeing him get off to a bad start is like, well, told you, but (laughs) there are certain things that you would generally look to, look to when you're trying to figure out if a player in a small sample size is declining or, you know, hitting a wall or however you want to define it. And, you know, Marcus Simeon is 31 years old, so it wouldn't be out of the question for him to, you know, hit a wall. That's, that's an age where it happens, even though he just got a big contract, it, it happens sometimes. And, you know, that's the kind of thing where you would look at maybe sprint speed and is he running slower? That would show up fairly quickly you would look at maybe max exit velocity because there's still, you know, average exit velocity is, is still a pretty noisy stat, but is, has he hit the ball as hard as he normally does at the peak? Is he whiffing more than usual? Is, is, is his bat speed down? Is he trying to cheat? And, you know, is his swing rate up because he's trying to cheat and catch up to fastballs, you know, that because his bat speed's slower and you look at all those things and everything looks normal. His sprint speed, he's in the 89th percentile. His strikeout rate, right around where it was last season. His walk rate, right around where it was last season. He's whiffing a little bit more, but you know he's not going out of the zone and, and, and whiffing a bunch relative to last season. His max exit velo, 108.1 miles per hour. Last season, it was 109, 109.5. Previous two seasons, right around 108. So everything physically, at least, 
suggest that Marcus Simeon has not hit a physical cliff. And that would be the thing you would be looking for in this small sample size. So while I remain skeptical that he's going to live up to his draft value or, you know, be as good as he was last season, certainly I think it's very sure. unlikely he's going to hit 40 homers again. But right. as far as I'm not too concerned, I'm, I'm moderately concerned, but like I, there's no world in which I drop him. There's no world in which I would try to sell him right now. Um, right. I don't think he's the kind of guy that you just trade for name value because you need to get something for him. I don't think it's that kind of situation. Totally agree with this situation too. Frustrating, you know, the fact that he has no homers. I do think it's kind of worth pointing yeah. out that he's playing in a park that is, you know, not going to be as friendly as what he was playing in Toronto. He's not playing with the same type of lineup protection, whether you believe in lineup protection or not. But the approach has still been really good. And we've seen Marcus Simeon go through some scuffles before. We've also seen Marcus Simeon go through some scuffles for an entire year before. So that is one of the reasons why. I would go if we're going with the, the the parameters that we set. Moderate concern as well, but I think you got to be patient with this guy. It's nice that he's playing up the middle, so there's a little more value there. Um, the sprint speed, like you said, is at the 89th percentile. I think as he gets on more, I think you're going to see him run more to help kind of compensate for the fact that he's not going to approach that 40 homer season. I think you're looking at like a 25 homer rate towards the end of the year. I would imagine that some of these balls are going to go over the fence. But, I mean, I do get why we're asking this question, just because if you look at the Savant page, bottom 11th percentile and expected weighted on base average, bottom 11th percentile and expected batting average, hard hit percentage in the 10th percentile. And again, these are just the numbers. They are noisy and they are not predictive, but I do understand uh, why some people have some concerns. Let's move over to... A guy who seems like he should have won three Rookie of the Years, but just won the one last year. And Randy Rosarina, who is off to a not-so-great start. He's 14 for 66. That's a 212 average. I did not do that math in my head. I literally wrote it down. He has no homers. He has one steal. He has a pretty ugly 19-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio coming in today. I will say that just as we were about to start recording, I saw he did have a walk and scored a run against the Mariners on Wednesday night, but Chris, what is your level of concern with the poor start for Randy Arozarena? Again, it's trying to avoid confirmation bias because Randy Arozarena was probably, if I had to pick one player I was most confident would bust this season, it was Randy Arozarena. I just oh I didn't really buy what he did last season. The underlying stats were pretty ugly. I think there's a lot of skill or a lot of there's there's always the the differentiation that I think is worth making between skill and talent. And I think talent is more like the, the underlying, you know, what you can do. And then skill is the ability to put that into play consistently. Right. And I think he's more of a talent over skill guy right now. Um, you know, last season there were some things to like, he hit the ball hard, but mm -hmm. two twenty two expected batting average three six. 69 expected slugging percentage. He hits the ball on the ground a decent amount. That's been worse this season. Um, and so this is one that I very much like. I'm not worried that there's not, unlike Marcus Simeon, I'm not worried there's a skills, like a baseline talent level decline. I don't think Randy Rosarena at 27 just like stopped being as athletic as he was last season, which is a concern with an older player. I think the sure. problem is he wasn't as good as his underlying number or as his overall numbers last season suggested. And what we're seeing is the kind of very, very low end range of outcomes for a player with his specific 
talents and skills deficits. Um, he's a free swinger. He doesn't make contact a lot. He has a tendency to hit the ground ball on the ground a lot. That being said, there's going to be a stretch where he gets really hot and looks yeah. a lot better than this. I don't I don't think he's going to hit, you know, 212 with a 550 OPS all season, but I do think Randy Rosarena was probably being overdrafted and so again, I'm probably moderately concerned, but and it's mostly because this is what I was concerned about. This kind of outcome was what I was concerned about coming into the season. And yeah, I would It's especially go, go concerning ahead. because he plays for the Rays who are perfectly content to take a promising young player who looks like a core piece and turn them into a platoon player, which we've yeah. seen with Austin Meadows and we've seen with, who was I thinking of? Well, Brandon Lowe had a, a stretch where he, Brandon Lau had a stretch where he yes. was a, a platoon player uh, as well. And so like, it wouldn't surprise me if Randy or Rosemary just wasn't playing every day at some point. And so that is, I think there's a lot of downside. There's like a long tail downside risk with him. Um, sure in a way that there probably wouldn't be if he played for Texas or Cincinnati or something right. like that. That I that was exactly what I was just about to say. And that is the reason why I'm somewhere in between moderate and very concerned. If you're if we're yeah. going the one to three, I'm I'm in the two point five here. In part because Tampa Bay, if they have so many options, they kind of manufacture these type of players. Like not of Randy Rose Arena's talent, but of guys who can produce in a similar rate. And the other thing with me is like, I really like Randy Rosarina and uh, a fun player to watch. And what he's did in those postseasons is just still stupefying to me, but he's going to have weeks where he kind of costs you weeks, not maybe necessarily the whole week, but like, he'll be a real big detriment about why in a head to head league you lose because he's going to have spurts like this. Now he's also going to have spurts where he can borderline carry your fantasy baseball team. Yeah. So I, 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 I still rostering him, still having him in the lineup, but he would be a guy that I would kind of be looking to trade. If you, if you have somebody who has um, a more sturdy outfielder and you've got some other guys who have a, uh, some upside, you know, if you could move a Randy or Rosarina, I think it's okay to kind of explore that. Would you agree with that? Yeah, he would be. I mean, I, I don't have him on any of my teams, but he would be someone that where I said like Marcus Simeon, I probably wouldn't just be trying to sell based on name value. I do think Randy Rosarena, there's enough bottom out potential there that if someone still valued him close to what they did before the season, which was, you know, a top 70 pick in most leagues, he was more like a mm -hmm. top 100 player for me. Uh, I would be willing to to move him if I can get something like preseason value. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, and the last one for our hitters, and I talked about the fact, I, or I should have talked about the fact that we weren't going to talk about stars like Juan Soto or Bo Bichette because I think it's it's fairly obvious what we think we're going to do. But I'm going to go with a guy who was ranked eighth in the preseason rankings in Yahoo <laughs> and talk about Kyle Tucker just because I think we need to talk about, I think we're going to have the same conclusion here. But Kyle Tucker has gotten off to a, a lackluster start in results, and I think that's probably hinting what we're going to talk about. Hitting 175 with three homers and two stolen bases. Chris, do you have any concern about Kyle Tucker going forward? No. I mean, the, the underlying numbers are still uniformly excellent pretty much across yeah. the board. Um, he looks basically like the same guy he did last season, if not, you know, potentially a little better even. Now, yeah. the – 
The one thing I will say is you look at his expected stats and they're sterling. 311 expected batting average, 630 expected slugging percentage, 413 expected WOBA compared to a 253 WOBA. Well, one, we're learning, I think, after the th first three weeks of the season that those numbers probably aren't going to translate in the same way as they have. And this is something we actually see every year where the first like month of the season, there's always this kind of gap between expected WOBA and WOBA. Last season, there was a pretty big one. Uh, players were massively underperforming expected WOBA. Um, and I specifically remember Austin Meadows, like a month into the season, had really solid expected WOBA numbers. And then what they do on the Baseball Savant StatCast side is they adjust the expectations based on how the ball is traveling for, you know, because the, the expected stats are based on historical data. Right now, we don't have enough for this current offensive right. environment, but they'll make adjustments to how, you know, what the expectation is for a, you know, 22 degree launch angle, 110 mile per hour batted ball is. And, you know, in the past, maybe that's 99% of the time a home run. Maybe now it's 90%, something like that. Um, and I remember Austin Meadows just like, went from looking like he was underperforming to looking like, oh no, he's actually hitting the ball poorly. Um, and it was largely because they made an adjustment to right. that. And the concern with Kyle Tucker, the one thing that I would say, if you were looking for a reason to be legitimately concerned is he's not hitting the ball hard when he's hitting it in the air. His fly ball and line drive average exit velocity is 91.4 miles per hour. That's right around where Whit Merrifield is. That's 96th mm. out of 129 qualified players so far. So that's the kind of thing where if the ball's not traveling as far, well, you wouldn't expect that to be a big deal for Juan Soto and Vladimir Guerrero and Aaron Judge because they hit the ball really hard when they hit the ball in the air. But right now, Kyle Tucker's not hitting the ball hard when he's hitting it in the air. He's hitting it, you know, at a below average exit velocity on the whole. So... That would be the one place where if I was going to be concerned about what he's done so far and his ability to live up to expectations, that would be the thing I would point to. But I would also point out that his average exit velocity on fly balls and line drives last season was 94 miles per hour. That was in the like 65th percentile. So not elite, but 49th out of 132 qualifiers. That's more than good enough. That's not the kind of thing that you would worry about and say, well, Maybe this guy's more of a tweener than we thought. So I think that's probably just noise and Kyle Tucker's yeah. going to be fine. So yeah, I'm not I, concerned there. Yeah. I, I'm at, I'm at the zero with this, but I did want to just kind of bring him up just because of the fact now that outfield stat, which is, you know, if I was good at my job, I would have similar numbers to that, but I'm not. So, but that is interesting that, about that. But I think, the end of the day, he's going to be fine. And the reason he's going to be fine is because he's wearing gloves. That's what the reason why you should be excited about Kyle Tucker is he is. No, like, he, uh, I'll go ahead. I'll remind that we did this last year with him. You know, yep. his first half numbers were kind of disappointing. And, sure. you know, I remember there being quite a bit of consternation. He was hitting sixth and he was hitting like 270 with, with little power. And, but the underlying numbers were really, really, really strong. And mm -hmm. so we kept saying, you know, don't worry about it. He's hitting the ball better than his results and it's going to work out. And he was like the best player in baseball in September. So it, yeah. it worked out in the long run. I, you could see a world in which a, a left-handed hitter with good, but not great power who, you know, potentially might get into trouble hitting too many fly balls. Like you could see something where 
that kind of guy is too easily shifted and it sure. makes it so that he's going to underperform his expected stats. He did last season his expected Wobo was 400. His actual Wobo was 383. Right. But there's a 160 point gap between <laughs> yeah. his Wobo and his expected Wobo. That is, uh, that's not accounted for by something that is predictable. That is, right. I feel very confident in saying that's just bad luck. So Kyle Tucker is going to be just fine. Yeah, I think he's going to be just fine too. I just saw this stat, by the way, on fastballs this year. His actual uh, batting average is 118. His expected batting average is 314. Kyle Tucker going to be just fine. Just fine. So he's going to be just fine. The MLB season is well underway, and NBC Sports Edge is giving our listeners a special offer. You can get 22% off an annual Edge Plus subscription when you use promo code BASES22. Get expert insight and access to the tools that will give you an edge, pun intended, against your competition at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus. Use promo code BASES22, that's BASES22, one word, at checkout to save big this season. So let's get into the pitchers. And this is, you know, I will say that not moderate to low concern about some of the hitters. Might be a little different story with the pitchers, but we'll see what Chris has to say about that. Uh, First up, Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler has an 8.53 ERA, a 1.66 whip. Coming off a year where he finished second in the Cy Young, a lot of people I talked to thought he should have won that Cy Young award. I'll do respect to Corbin Burns. Chris, what's your level of concern with the start for Zach Wheeler? For pitchers, it's it's easier for me to react to pitchers early on in the right. season because throwing velocity stabilizes very quickly. Throwing velocity mm-hmm. stabilizes after one pitch. It's exactly as hard as you threw it. Now, that's not to say the skill level of throwing velocity. We you know that that fluctuates, and that's something that we've seen with Zach Wheeler. His velocity was down quite a bit in his first couple of starts. It was back up in his most recent. Now it wasn't all the way to where he was last season. He averaged 96 miles per hour with his fastball in his most recent start. It was 97 last season, but that would be where you would look with Zach Wheeler, especially because he had that shoulder thing in the off season. I don't know if we call it a shoulder injury or what, but it was a thing. He had some kind of thing with his shoulder that caused him to get off to a delayed start. And we've seen in the results so far, like, if Zach Wheeler pitches the way he has so far, if he's a 95 mile per hour thrower with his fastball on average, and he's not getting whiffs with his slider or his curveball, he's probably not going to be very good. But this is also like, remember he got off to a delayed start in spring training because of the shoulder thing. So most pitchers right now are right about where they would normally be on opening day in terms of their ramp up for the start of the season. Spring training started on, what the 12th or the 17th, something like that in, in March. And so we're still very early on in where most of these guys would otherwise be. And we've seen relievers are throwing a much higher share of overall innings than normal. We've seen expand rosters. So all of that makes sense. Um, so it's possible that Wheeler just needs some time to get his arm strength to where it needs to be and he'll be fine. But Based on what we've seen so far, I do think you have to be at least a little bit concerned because it just suggests that his arm isn't 100% right now. That's not to say he's pitching hurt, but it is to say that maybe the arm strength isn't quite there, and maybe it won't be. And the other thing I'll point out is he did have an 18% strikeout rate in 2020, 18.4%, which is well below average at this point. He's at 17.7%. 
right now. He was at nothing. So, you know, 2021 was a significant outlier for his career. Now I mostly bought it. I wasn't like worried about Zach Wheeler coming into the season until he had that shoulder thing. Uh, maybe the skill set isn't quite as elite as we thought it was coming into the season. Yeah, I, I kind of go back and forth with this one a little bit. I'm, I'm going with moderate. One of the reasons I'm going with moderate is I'm going to use the Cincinnati Reds president line of where else are you going to go? Like, it's not like you can drop Zach Wheeler. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to have to kind of ride this through. And exactly. my, my level of concern is with the fact that he's not missing bats. Like you mentioned, his whiff percentage is in the 13th percentile right now. Strikeout percentage, 29th percentile. Um, avoiding hard contact and throwing strikes, which is great. But at the same time, if you're not missing bats and you're playing behind a defense that is not exactly elite, that's my biggest cause for concern. So... You're going to have to kind of take the bitter with the better here, and I imagine that he will get better as the season goes on. But it would not shock me if early on some of these results are not exactly what you signed up for, for a guy that you probably took in the second or third round. Uh, you didn't take this guy in the second or third round, but you may have drafted him fairly highly. Tyler Malley, uh, 1.71 whip so far, 6.88 ERA, was fantastic in his first start of the year against the Braves. And has not looked good since. Uh, and also playing for a team, speaking of that Reds uh, president who said one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Not going to give him a ton of win chances. What's your level of concern with Tyler Malley? Yeah, he's he's one that you would think, because of the, the ball not traveling as far, would actually be in a better place this season than right. uh, normal. Because he is someone who has struggled with home runs and especially at home. And what we've seen so far hasn't been the case, but I actually don't see all that much reason to be concerned so far. Now, the thing that's frustrating and the thing that's tough about Tyler Malley and the thing that's always been tough about Tyler Malley is there's never been one Tyler Malley, right? There's a different Tyler Malley <laughs> from one start to the next, from one season to the next. He's a constant right. tinkerer. Maybe him and Joey Votto get along really well because of that, because He's another guy who's just constant. And that's a good thing, I think. Yeah, um, for sure. Until, like, I used to make this joke about, like, Trevor Bauer, where, like, he might tinker himself out of being a good pitcher. And maybe that's something that Tyler Malley has done. Right. But the the underlying stuff, I think, mostly looks okay. He's actually giving up slightly less hard contact than we typically see. His expected Wobot contact is actually 335, which is very good. Um, now, small sample size caveats for all of that, especially when it comes to quality of contact for pitchers, which is uh, that takes multiple years to stabilize. And so, for sure, you know, you don't want to take too much out of that, but he's getting whiffs with the slider. He's getting whiffs with the splitter. He's not giving up hard contact. I think generally speaking, Tyler Malley is probably a buy low. I would say I'm closer to not concerned at all uh, than I am to moderately concerned. And so... If I like his walk rates a little high, if you're looking for something to be concerned about, but I actually think Tyler Malley looks pretty good right now. Yeah, I'm going moderate concern here, but I am closer to uh, closer to where you're at as well, just because of the fact that you do look at the these metrics and you do look at the fact that he is another guy like I thought you think you made a great point about the fact that he's constantly tinkering and 
you know, I think that a constantly tinkering guy with a short ramp up kind of helps explain why the fact that he's not throwing a ton of strikes right now. He's in the, his walk percentage is in the 27th percentile. Fastball velocity is in the 28th yeah. percentile. I think it's worth pointing out that this is not exactly a flamethrower. It was in the 55th percentile in 2021. I just looked up. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not hugely concerned. My my biggest concern here is going to be the fact that I just don't think that the Reds are going to give him a ton of chances for wins. And if we're talking in a five by five category, unfortunately that does matter. So if you're looking at, um, he'd be a guy that, you know, if somebody really believes in Mally, I wouldn't mind pursuing a type of trade for somebody who is a little more stabilized for a good baseball team. But I think overall Tyler Mally is going to be okay. But this next guy I'm much less sure is going to be okay. And it really hurts my heart because I really like this guy. It's Marcus Stroman, who is actually coming off his best start of the year, giving up three runs, only two earned over six innings, but still has a 6.98 ERA, a 1.45 whip, which is lower than the numbers we just mentioned, but still probably not elite. How concerned are you, Chris, about Marcus Stroman from a fantasy perspective for the rest of 2022? It's tough because he's not someone that I think is a particularly great fantasy option anyway. And so right. it's, it's really like, I, I don't think I, I wouldn't say he's a marginal type of fantasy pitcher and that like marginal probably suggests that he's droppable or is a fringy guy. I think he's someone you probably want on your roster more often than not, but there's not a lot of difference between a must roster Marcus Stroman and a fringy streaming. Marcus Stroman because he doesn't get a ton of strikeouts. He never really has or likely will. And so that's the kind of thing where if he's not going well, you know, the margin for error is fairly narrow. Um, That being said, he also does have enough of an established track record that I'm mostly willing to write this off. He's getting hit really hard right now in a way that is very, very unusual for Marcus Stroman. You know, you look at, Expected Wobon contact, the league average is 369 for his career. He's been below 360 every season, actually, except 2021, where he was 381. So still pretty good, certainly not alarming. Right. And then right now he's a 470. Oh, well, that's probably <laughs> that's probably just a fluke. Like that's not to say, you know, one thing that I think is really interesting about the time that we we live in in terms of how we talk about baseball is there you know, 10, 15 years ago when you said like, that's a fluke, we might've just meant like, oh, that's just bad luck. Like that's just stuff happens sometimes. Yeah. That's, he's just getting babbit. And now we have these granular stats and we can say, well, no, like Marcus Stroman is pitching poorly right now. He is earning the bad results that he's got. This is not just a case of a, a couple of seeing eye singles falling in. He's the average He's given up a lot of batted balls, which is what Marcus Stroman does. Mm-hmm. And on average, they've been hit 93 miles per hour. Interesting. That's really bad. And he's not getting the ground yeah. balls that he usually does. So, like, Marcus Stroman is kind of giving up, like, every hitter is Juan Soto right now. I guess not with the walks, <laughs> but, like, otherwise. <laughs> sure. Um, and that's really bad. You're going to be a bad, like... If every hitter was Juan Soto, you'd probably expect most pitchers to have a 6.980 RA. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he's not going to be that bad. Marcus Stroman's no. not going to continue to be this bad because he wouldn't be in baseball if he was. He would probably no. retire. And yeah. Marcus Stroman is 30, 
and his velocity is exactly where it usually is and his spin rate is mostly where it usually is so all of the component parts are close enough to where they should be that i think it's probably just like marcus stroman's cold in like the classic sense where he's just not playing well i think it's also worth pointing out here too that he has faced Milwaukee and he pitched well in that first start. He only gave up two hits, some luck here, obviously, because he didn't miss a lot of bats. But then he faced the Rockies in Colorado. He faced the Rays. He faced the Braves. That's not a real easy stretch. I mean, there, there's, there are some really quality hitters that he was facing in that stretch. And that's one of the reasons why my level of concern, instead of being like DEFCON, whatever the high one is supposed to be, is a little bit lower. It, yes. Yeah. This is. I think it's like golf. Yeah, exactly. There we go. The the thing that I'm a little optimistic about is the fact the NL Central sucks, and he's going to get a lot of starts against some NL Central lineups coming up. He's only had the one against the Brewers, and he more than held his own on that Sunday start. He's going to start to get to face teams like the Reds and the Pirates. You know, that's not going to be as troubling as having to pitch in course Field, face a very good Tampa Bay lineup and a good Atlanta lineup, and he held his own in his last time. My my biggest level of concern is the fact it's not that he's pitching poorly now. It's the fact that he's, what like you said, he's just never been a really good fantasy long-term option. He just doesn't miss enough bats, and he has too many clunker starts where it may not even be that he's pitching poorly, where he just doesn't miss enough bats or he has some bad luck with some defense or gives up one three-run homer that turns a quality start into a terrible one. That's my biggest level of concern with Marcus Stroman. So I think that he has always been a guy that has been, because he's a famous pitcher, has been a little bit overdrafted because you hear the name Marcus Stroman, and that's much more exciting than hearing a name, you know, like Zach Eflin or Nick Pavetta or anyone like that who may actually put up fairly similar numbers to him. So I think it's fair to say that Marcus Stroman is going to probably put up the numbers that he's put up for what he's done over his career, but those numbers have never really been fantasy relevant. Yeah. And, and, you know, even the last two years where he's had these really good ERAs, 302 and 322, I guess two of the last three years he didn't pitch in 2020, right. but 2019 came with a 131 whip, been a 127 whip for his career. So last season is really the one year that he's been a true standout in both whip and ERA. Typically, even when he's good, it's mostly just ERA. And then, you know, pitching on a pretty mediocre Cubs team, wins aren't right. going to be super plentiful. So, no. yeah, like, I don't think you should be dropping Marcus Stroman, but he's fringe top 55, top 60 pitcher for me to begin with. You know, I think he was right around 50 coming into the season. So it doesn't take much when you're talking about like a 12-team points league context sure. to you know, make him droppable if he's got a bad matchup once one week, because when you're talking about a 12 team points league in a, in a lot of cases, like if you're not using someone actively, they're droppable in a shallower format. That's not true in a 15 team Roto league where you're, you know, you're talking about 435 players or whatever in each starting lineup. But when you're talking about a shallower league, a 12 team league, a, t- a 10 team league, even especially, if you're not using someone actively, they're probably expendable. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Um, again, I love you, Marcus Stroman. If you hear this podcast, please, great. please, please. He's just phenomenal. But uh, 
but please be nice to us because we really, really like you. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for doing this. Please promote all of the good stuff you're doing over at CBS Sports. Yeah, Fantasy Baseball Today podcast five times a week with Scott White and Frank Stamfel. Um, I'm usually on four times a week. I play softball on Mondays and then I awesome. you know, go hit the bar afterwards. So I don't want to go on the <laughs> go on the pod after a few beers. But other than that, I'm on every day. Uh, Fantasy Football Today newsletter. Uh, that's really if if you like me and you want to to show that you like me, subscribe to the Fantasy Football Today newsletter. That is. Publishing still in the offseason pretty regularly, three times this week, twice last week. We'll have a bunch of NFL draft reaction stuff in the next week, and we'll do it all offseason. And once we get in season, it's every single day of the week, except for Saturday, pretty much. So I think it's a pretty good product. Fantasy Football Today newsletter, cbssports.com slash newsletters slash fantasy football today is where you would get that. Uh, And that's pretty much it. That's all you need to know. It is good stuff, uh, and I definitely recommend it. You know, NBC, CBS, reaching out, showing that we care for each other. Again, that's (laughs) going to do it for us. Hope you like what you heard. Stay tuned on Thursday for Drew Silva and DJ Short. They're going to bring on Ryan Boyer, and they're going to be re-ranking starting pitchers. So they'll they'll do what we basically did, but maybe a little worse. No no disrespect to those guys. I just think we're really good. And they'll try to match the magic of the show. Uh, certainly can try. Uh, you can follow me at Crawford underscore MILB, and you can follow Chris at Tower CBS. I'm doing that off memory. Hopefully I did that right, Chris. That was the correct one. Boom. I am great at this. Uh, if you liked what you heard, please rate the show five stars and make sure you hit the subscribe button. So until next time, have a great week, and we will see you soon. <laughs>